Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. It is just going to be Jeff and I, and we are actually, as we speak on Sunday night, recording this live on Facebook. So uh, it's going to be pretty cool to have some people watching this and hang out with us here today. we got a little Nash, Jeff's puppy, that's also on here with us too. And uh, this is going to be a fun one because we sent a few notes out on social media this week uh, just with some things that that you guys wanted to talk about, some issues that you thought might, uh, might trigger us. Uh, apparently, people really enjoyed when I got a little heated a couple podcasts ago. So <laughs> figured why not try to do that again? And, and, and it was unreal. Like between Jeff and I, we had over a hundred people reach out and message us between Twitter and Facebook and, and, uh, and Instagram and stuff. So, you know, we so appreciate the back and forth that we can have from you guys. And, uh, again, we do this for you and we really, really enjoy doing this and we enjoy all of the back and forth, like I said. So, um, before we do get into all that stuff, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lovechki Vex, What's up today, my man? I'm all hopped up a Mountain Dew. <laughs> I'm actually not at all. I just was saying that this weekend. I uh, do not drink Mountain Dew or soda. And uh, yeah, feeling good, man. Literally just got back from Nashville. Literally pulled the car in at 7.50 p.m. Central Standard Time. We got in at 8, so I'm ready to rock, baby. <laughs> I love how you say Central Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm Dessert. such an idiot. I, I think it's so funny to say that every time. When people clearly know it's Central Time. I still want to say it anyways because that makes it so redundant redundant another kind of smarty word for you uh, the big or for anybody <laughs> That's a big word, um all right so we got a, kind of a lot to get through um first of all i apologize to everybody that wrote in because we only have so much time that we want <laughs> that we have for this and again over 100 people writing in i mean that's amazing there's a lot of issues apparently in uh in youth hockey and hockey in general so we're not going to get to everybody's uh but we did there there were a lot of people that had certain themes and certain things that they wanted to talk about so we're going to try to get to everybody before we do get to them we just want to thank all of our sponsors First of all, our title sponsor, Gel Sticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. <laughs> Go to gelsticks.com, use the coupon code ThinkTank, one word, and you can get a discount on your weighted training sticks. Uh, those guys are awesome. They've been with us every step of the way since we started this thing. Thank you to Train Heroic, Jeff's training app. Uh, what an awesome app. He's been with, what, over a 1,000 people um, that have been uh, with you on this journey, especially since COVID started with junior teams and youth teams and, you know, people all the way from youth hockey players to youth hockey parents, youth hockey coaches and professional players that you're doing it with. So download the app Train Heroic on your phone. Look for Jeff Lavecchio's workouts. Those are awesome. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. Uh, we love you guys. This is why we do this. Again, over 100 people <laughs> reaching out about stuff that you wanted us to talk about, uh, trying to get us a little heated here on uh, on this podcast so thank you thank you thank you uh if you can again um if you love what we're doing 
Uh, we love what we're doing. And if you do too, please help us to spread the word and shoot us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or iTunes, wherever you're getting this, shoot us a review. Uh, again, we're always looking to get better with what we do, whether you want to message us or whether you want to put that out publicly, uh, we read them all. So we really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, Vex, uh, our, our big sponsor, our drill sponsor, icehockeysystems.com. We're going to do this thing a little bit differently this week because typically we send out a drill, but I thought this was really interesting because one of the things that um, people wrote into us about, I had about four or five people actually that wrote into me about this is just how important preparation is as a youth coach, but also as a player too. And kind of the two ways that it went about, it was a lot of people didn't think that coaches really are prepared for practices and games. And that triggers people because they sit there and they kind of watch their kids play and they feel like there's no rhyme or reason to the practice, or there's no rhyme or reason to how the kids are playing during a game. And then also the other side to it is how important mental preparation is for the kids. You know, especially once you get up to the, I don't know, Pee Wee Bantam level, maybe just about learning how to focus, learning how to, you know, quote unquote, get in the zone, which is uh, that elusive thing that we're all looking to do. So why don't we start with the coaches part? Because Ice Hockey Systems does do a phenomenal job uh, providing coaches with resources to be able to plan their practices, plan their strategies of how they want to play. Um, if you were to give some advice to any coaches out there on how to be prepared um, what would your big piece of advice be? Well, I would think about, uh, pro- well, first of all, I would think about what the team needs to work. Well, how old are they? I guess you got to start with that. That's the, obvious, yes. that's the obvious stuff. How old are they? What do they need to work on? What do they need to get better at for this year, but also to keep moving on levels next year and the year after and the year after. So kind of maybe um, actually, you know, it's the same I do at the gym. Maybe you think about working backwards. All right, you coach a midget team next year. The player's goal is to be in juniors. In juniors, what do they need to do or be good at or be proficient at to make that jump that maybe they aren't good at now? So maybe you start at the beginning of the season making a list of things that they need to be good at, you know, whatever that is. And then weekly, are you working on those things every single week, week after week? Because repetition is, good, is, is massive. It's so massive in sports. It's so massive in practice. So can you repetitively work on those skills that they need to be good this year? And then another list they need to be good at next year. And then within those skills, create drills around those where you're working those specific skills. And you should be have notes. I, I think you should have notes on your clipboard or whatever you carry on the ice that reminds you to focus on the task at hand for each drill. So, so I, I think this is massively important. We worked on this two years ago, my head coach, Mike Bear and I, and we would say, okay, like we real, he, he described the drill and I'd say, now, did you hear that? You're supposed to shoot in stride in this drill. It's not come in, take the longest windup ever, set your feet, try and snipe back bar from the goal line. It's shoot in stride. That's what I need you to do in this drill because we want you to work on that. And then the next drill, it's this or that or that. So make sure that you know what the focus of each drill is and have progressions and regressions for each drill if you can. All right, the best player on your team, this drill might be easier for him. So instead of him doing A, which most of the players are going to do, you want him to do B because he's already passed that. That might be an idea too. Yeah, yeah. And um, just in terms of kind of like what you're talking about, I think – um, like just having a plan for practice and what I think that's big, but, but 
what you said, and, and I want to add on to it, is the why of why you're doing these drills. And that's something I've really tried to do a little bit more as, as a coach in, in just kind of teaching the game with, with the guys when we're doing these drills, whether I'm explaining it before the practice, here's the theme of today, this is why we're doing it. Here's a certain drill that we're going to do, this is why we're doing it, and mix in some like you know, either hockey sense or like a piece of structure that we're doing, you know, kind of thing as, as we're going through it. So I think that why, like, but also at the same time, I think preparation is, is really important, but you also have to be adaptable because things aren't always going to go as planned, (laughs) certainly in a practice and definitely in a game for what you're trying to do. So a lot of times, what's that Mike Tyson quote? Like you have a plan until you get punched in the face kind of thing. And then you gotta, (laughs) you gotta fight. So just being adaptable to it too. Um, and then shifting gears. Another one that I had is, is, you know, people think, and people get really upset uh, coaches, especially that they don't feel like players prepare as much as they need to before the game. It's almost like they just kind of put the skates on and just get ready to go. And when you get to the higher levels, you really see the routine that these players are going through, right? Like, um, if you watch any of those all access shows, like I remember watching Nick Lindstrom's all access show way back in the day when he was playing and it was like legit regimented ate lunch with the same person every day, did this, 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 this. And, you know, everybody has a different thing that they need to do. Uh, nobody's routine is going to be the same as somebody else's, but having a routine before obviously before a game, but I think even before practices too is something that's completely massive and can really help kids get ready to focus on what they need to do out on the ice. 100% agree. Uh, no doubt about it. But here's a question to that point, because uh, people are probably wondering that. At what point or what level, skill level and age level, do you start to, to work on that? Because that's truly something, visualization and, and you know focus and all that, that's going to translate to everyone outside of hockey in the working world, in school, all of these things. Um, but at what point do you start to kind of focus on that? What age level? Cause if it's a nine-year-old house league player, you know, he's there to have fun. Yeah. But I think you can still do that. You can do something where, Hey, we're going to have a team meeting 30 minutes before the game and just to kind of get everybody ready. And it could be like a rah, rah thing. Hey, we all ready to have fun today. And then let's go out as a team and let's do a little bit of a, let's go play soccer or let's have a stretch or, you know, something where the kids have some kind of mechanism. And I, I think about it. So I have two kids that are young. So I'm, I'm in the sleep phase right now and you have to have a bedtime routine for them to let's call it perform. Their performing is sleeping. (laughs) You have to have a routine that gets them ready to be able to sleep at night. And I think a lot of even older people and adults need that routine, whether it's taking a shower, reading a book, watching TV, they all kind of have their mechanisms that tell their brain, okay, now it's time time to go to sleep. Well, it's the same for performance. It's the same for you in the gym too. Like I'm sure you have players that just come to the rink and then, okay, let's go. It's time to work out. And then you have some players who actually have a little bit of a method to the madness and a rhythm for what they're trying to do to get themselves physically and mentally prepared for your lifts in the gym. And so I think you can do it at even the youngest of ages. And I'm not talking about eight and nine year olds need to freaking visualize <laughs> and, and, you know, writing out journals and stuff about things that they're doing, but you could make it fun and, and just kind of start that process at a young age. I would agree. And I like, I like, you know, saying the thing, you know, meeting before if it's a younger group 
and this is from something completely different that sparked my mind, just making it a better experience at all levels for all kids, youth sports. And I'm not somebody who's uh, a participation trophy person. And that's something that somebody wrote in. We're going to talk about that here in a second. I'm not that person. Yes, I'm a positive person. Yes, I believe positivity and, and helping people in that way makes way more sense and helps way more people than being negative and a drill sergeant. But within that, like making you sports something that kids want to do and want to learn from, I think that's extremely, extremely important. I think it's extremely valuable for health reasons, physical, mental, learning all these skills, but you got to make it fun for them. So they want to be there. Um, so like, you know, I've never heard of like a squirt team being like, Hey, let's play two touch 20 minutes before practice starts 10 minutes before practice, whatever it is, 15 minutes, make it mandatory. The kids will all eat it up. They'll love it. We're, we're going to work on hand eye for five minutes before every single practice this year. So you don't got to get there crazy early. You got to be there 20 minutes before. So your son or daughter can get dressed and 15 minutes or 20 minutes before we're going to do hand eye for five minutes. Then the kids have 15 minutes to get dressed, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, like that just makes sense on another level too. And then you're also working on teaching them to prepare and all these other things. Yeah. It's so funny. So this is the triggered episode, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you just triggered me a little bit talking about like getting to the rink and stuff. So a couple things that trigger me about like youth hockey, especially at the younger ages, if your kid is past mites. So what's that now? You eight, you 10. I don't even know what those you things are. We can't call them midgets and Bantams and stuff because it offends people like me who are vertically challenged apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, so if you are past mites, parents should not be in the locker room and parents should not be helping their kids get dressed or tie their skates. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Should not be doing it. Even skates though. Like yes. as a squirt, that's the rule that I grew up with as a squirt, your first year squirt, no parents allowed in the locker room and you have to tie your own skates. You'll learn to do it. It's not going to be easy the first five times that you do it, but you'll, you'll learn. Right. right? Yeah. My, yeah. I feel like I was a squirt when I started time on, I just couldn't remember. Yeah. You're kind of soft though. So it was, you know, maybe, <laughs> uh, the other thing, rolly bags. I hate those things. I absolutely hate rolly hey, bags. Hey, but that's such hey. like an old school man yelling at the clouds oh, kind of thing. You know, you know <laughs> what, man, that's, that's old school though. That's like people who wear thick ass wallets and they don't realize how bad that is for their spine. I, yeah. I think it's probably the same thing with hockey bags. I used to hate those things too, but like a little kid carrying a bag on one shoulder that weighs 40 pounds, 30 pounds, the bag weighs half or more of their body So you're weight. pro, you're pro rolly bag. Dude, I, I think you're just setting yourself up for injuries down the road. I think it doesn't yeah. make sense. I like, never thought it, about it like that. From like a, but, but the kids should be rolling it, not the mom and dad. Sure. If you're going to have a rolly bag, the kids should be rolling it, not the mom and dad. Uh, maybe at a certain age, you know, you, you outlaw rolly bags, but you know, I just think it's causing could cause I'd have to like talk to some, some orthopedic surgeons and some chiropractors, but you got to think carrying that bag all the time probably not great for your shoulder and your spine being curved to one side as much as we did it going to the rink six days a week, our entire life. Okay. I can, I can, I can maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm going to talk to some doctors about it. We'll get <laughs> I back. just, I, I like every time I walk in the rink, everybody's rolling the bag. I'm like, just carry your bag. Come on. We had those, we had those in the uh, Austrian league, you know, one of the best really? leagues in Europe, we had those. And I was like, I was like, no way. I refuse to use this. <laughs> After a week, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'd bring it home in the off season. All the boys who played in North America just, just ripping me apart. Yeah. And I'm like, boys. Once you go rolly bag, you don't go back. 
All right. Well, if it's for the physical betterment of the kids, then I can maybe be okay with that. But that's okay. But you still don't like it. I still don't like it, no. Um, okay, why don't you go? Why don't you uh, – something something that somebody uh, wrote into you. What do you got for me? Well, since I, I just touched on it, I wanted to start with that one anyways, is participation trophies. Positive or negative? Good or bad? Tof, you are on the – Hot seat. Let's hear it. Yeah, this one. This one's stupid. Um, obviously, participation trophies are the worst. I I hate them. I think it's one of the things that I think kids do not understand today is I well, let's call it two things. Number one is how hard it is to be great at something. Like it it is such a long process to be good or great. Um, at, at anything. And the second part to that is that is earned. Like that is earned through blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, hard work, support system, you name it, it is earned. Right. So like the participation trophy thing, and it was funny because my wife and I were talking just the other day, actually, and she was reading a book about parenting and she was talking about in the book, how, the, these people, they kind of like studied parents all over the world. And they talk about how much Americans in particular praise their kids for doing inconsequential things. And, and I, like, ever since she said that, like, I, I look at like my daughter and she'll like say something funny and I'll be, Oh yeah. You know, like just like, but, but I'm sure as they get older, like you, you continue to do that more and more and how other countries don't do that. Like they are much more hands off, much less feedback, both positive and negative and, and like American parents. Um, and I'm not sure if, if Canada would, would be with this too, just because a lot of the stuff is similar between our countries, but, um, like there's a, I, I just feel like we need to really emphasize to kids growing up how important earning things are. Uh, that's a hundred percent getting lost. And especially in our youth sports culture, not just our youth hockey culture, but our youth sports culture, where it's become such this big recruiting thing where kids are being told how good they are uh, in diapers basically. And so they, they don't, they, that's not something they earned. Like it's a talent that was given to them by God at the youngest of ages. And then the older you get, like the praise that you get comes from earning things and working for it and sacrifice. So the participation trophies, you know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that would disagree that they're, they're really bad. Um, but I just, yeah, it's all about earning it. You know, I'm literally 100% on the same page as you. And like I said before, I'm all about positive reinforcement and stuff like that, but reinforcing behaviors that, that are not earned is not a good reinforcement of a, of a positive behavior. And if no one is taught to dig down and, and battle and and bury and and go after something like they're not going to be successful in life you're setting them up for failure totally like you know i'm not a psychologist like what do i know but like you know i work with a lot of kids and i've worked with a lot of a lot of kids a lot of teenagers a lot of young adults you know college junior pro athletes for the last 10 going on 11 years and i have noticed that 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 you know like simple things like the way that the vernacular that kids use now sometimes is coming from a place of like they think that they've done something but they haven't they think that they've earned something and they haven't 
you know, like when you and I were coming up, I don't think there was a USHL draft when you first started in USHL. No, I, think, I think I was the first year maybe. Yeah. And I got drafted. It meant nothing to me. It meant absolutely zero. I was like, I still got to go to camp and make the team. Like, what does that mean? You know, it just means I can't go try out anywhere else. I can only go to Omaha. These kids now think they got drafted to the NHL when they get drafted into the U show, as they call it. I don't allow them to call it the U show. I'm like, you do not call it that. It's called the USHL. It's not the show. There's one show. There's one show, and it's the NHL. And it is almost impossible to make it there. You've got to work your ass off. You've got to be lucky. You've got to be amazing. You've got to, you've got to earn it. If you play in the NHL, you earn it, right? So the NHL is the show. There is no U show. There's a USHL. Congratulations. You got drafted. Doesn't mean anything. Celebrate tonight. Let's get back to work tomorrow. Well, even even Callie, you know, Callie Larson, the uh, the GM for Dubuque, the, the stats that he showed us, somewhere between 30 and 40% of kids that get drafted in the phase one draft of the USHL play a full season. Like three out of 10 kids. That's it. And I think a lot of that has to do with exactly what we're talking about right now. Kids are being told, and when they get drafted, they're being told that they're good, right? So if you think that that's the end, you are, you're in for a rude awakening, a huge rude awakening. It's the same thing in the, at the NHL level. Uh, It's so funny when you hear, especially on draft day, you hear these kids and you hear these people saying, Oh, I've realized my dreams of being drafted in the NHL. I always laugh at that because I'm like, no, no. Like the dream should be to play in the NHL and win a Stanley cup. (laughs) Like just getting drafted. All that is, is somebody saying, we think you're pretty good. And at some point, you can maybe play for us if you continue to get better. <laughs> and so like the, the, the journey begins when you get drafted, the journey begins when somebody gives you a little bit of vote of a, a vote of a confidence that you're, they think you're pretty good. And so the people, all kids need to hear this. Like, and that's why with all these freaking all-star teams at these youngest of ages, like, honestly, it's hurting kids. It's, it's hurting your chances. I think it's good in the sense that like, um, if you're, again, we've talked about this, like if you're playing against good competition in practice and better competition in practice, it's going to make you get better. Like that's the only, the only benefactor of like playing on a quote unquote all-star team. Um, but if it's an all-star team that doesn't practice together, literally, I think that's a detriment to kids. Like if it's one of these teams where everybody just shows up on the weekends and you don't practice. Okay. Now I'm getting triggered because I see this a lot at the, at the youth hockey level. Like if you, if you have these all-star teams that don't practice together, what does that do? It's telling them that they're on an all-star team and it's telling them that they don't need to work. I'm sorry. I like that. You're doing a disservice to the kids. You really are. That's my opinion. It's the same as, you know, some of these kids and I've heard it from some of my guys and, I've, I've pee slapped them once or twice, but I shouldn't have allowed it as much as I did because I knew that they were playing a mental game on the ice, but I should not have allowed this looking back. And I, I, I'm mad at myself for allowing it. Guys who have been drafted in the USHL who are younger playing in midgets, you hear it all the time. Oh, yeah? Who are you? Who are you? Where are you oh, drafted? God. Where are you drafted? And I, like, I, wanna gra- I should have grabbed them by the cage and been, that draft means nothing. Here, I'm going to go take a dump. I'm going to wipe my ass with some Kleenex, with some toilet paper, and that's what that draft means to me. That means nothing. I'll, means I'll, nothing. I'll up the ante for you too because I've been on a bench where I've heard kids that were committed to colleges say that to other kids. Like, where are you going? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got a scholarship, like something like that to that effect. And I went boop, 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 boop on the old school phones. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> 
And I called the coach up and I said, Hey, look, I, I, I heard this kid. He, he was being an absolute idiot on the ice and he was being cocky. And this is what he said. And because as a coach, if there was somebody that I recruited that was doing that, I would want to know. And I would want to address that. And I would say, you think you're better than anybody else. That's not why we recruited you. And if you continue to do that, you're not going to get better and you're not going to, you're not a fit here. I'm sorry. This is, this was the wrong decision because we don't recruit people like you to our program. So we need maybe we need to rethink this. And so I've done that multiple times because it happens. I mean, you've seen it. It happens yeah. multiple times. It, it, it's terrible. And, and it's so, not, for, it's not from like the standpoint of you shouldn't chirp. I'm okay with chirping. Yeah, like, totally. Like it's, it's part of the game. It's gamesmanship. It's fun, whatever. But like, there's some things where, what you're saying is affecting you and you don't even know it. And that's one of those chirps that you're putting someone else down at to, because you think you're elevated, but like by you thinking you're elevated, you're actually putting yourself down because you're not elevated. You, like you said, the journey just started. So like, that's just a bad, bad one. And that needs to, that needs to go. And if there's any coaches out there that a allow that or B hear it, you got to put a nip, uh, you got to put an end to that immediately. Cause that's just not something you need. It's not something they it's hurting them to allow them to say that. And you getting in their face and being like, that doesn't mean shit. You will never say that again. I don't care if you make fun of their skates. Like, you know, you, you care, but like you're chirping, it's part of the game. That's something you don't talk about because you haven't done shit and it doesn't mean anything. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Although it is kind of funny, like when you're a player and you hear one of your teammates do that to somebody else, like they think it's kind of funny, but it, I mean, double-edged sword, you know, like I used to, laugh but it is it. like, as, as a coach, I like, I, I, it's funny if you did a study of the kids that actually said those things and like where they ended up, it would be interesting to see where they did because that entitlement and that I'm better than you for whatever reason. Like I just, I hate that attitude. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let's move on here. Uh, so I got one. This is an interesting one. This is from Marlon. He says, okay, here's my issue. There was a day when a player said, what can I do for the team? Today's player says, what can the team do for me? Some of this attitude comes from the player. Some passes down from the parents. End of the day, how do you coach that attitude? Well, I would just say, first and foremost, immediately, I'd stop him in his tracks right there and say, listen, you got to go along to get along. You catch more flies with honey. All of those analogies or metaphors or similes, whatever you want to use, a simile is like or as. A metaphor does not use like or as for any, if there's any children out there listening. Like It's like I, ninth grade English, I remember. Yeah, I remember, yeah. That, remember that from language arts class. <laughs> um, but anyways, similes and metaphors aside, uh, I, I tell all of my guys who are not happy with their current playing time or their current role on the team, to go up to the coach. And I say, first of all, you need to speak to the coach. Like you should do it immediately. You shouldn't let it fester. You shouldn't get upset and you should go to the coach and ask them exactly the first part coach, you know, like I want to help the team. I feel like I can do more. What can I work on so that, so that I can be of more value to the team? What do I need to be working on on the ice and off the ice so that you trust me more? That's it. It's what can I do for the team? And then he'll tell you what you need to work on. But if you come, because then it's helping both parties. You know, you're on a team. This isn't an individual sport. So the coach is going to help you help yourself, which helps the team. And it's, you know, cyclical. But if you go and say, me, 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 I, 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 how, why aren't you doing this for me? Why am I not getting this? F that noise. You're part of a team. 
Yeah. End of story. End of, like, I would just stop it right there. End yeah. of story. You're That's coming at it the wrong way. You're going to get nowhere in hockey or life or business if you work for someone else by thinking this way. You need to flip the way you look at the question. Yeah, totally. I mean, I know as a former college coach, those, you know, we would have those conversations a lot with players and the players that come in and say, Hey, you know, what do I need to do to get in the lineup? What do I need to do in the stay in the lineup versus, you know, the ones that come in and this is BS and I deserve this and I deserve that. Like (laughs) for all the kids listening, like think about going into the coach's office in both ways and how that's going to make the coach think about you. Because if you go in and you are saying, I deserve X, Y, and Z because of X, Y, and Z, uh, you're on the naughty list. You ain't on the nice list and that that's going to hurt you. But if you go in and say, Hey, um, what do I need to do and help me? Like, can you come watch video? Can let's go on the ice before practice. Like tell me what I need to do. That's like music to a coach. That's why we coach. Um, and, and, and the other thing I wanted to say, so I've talked about Will Nickel on this podcast before and Will's one of my favorite coaches I've, I've ever had. He was my coach, my last year of junior hockey when I was playing with the steel and like, no surprise, he's the director of player development for Vegas right now. Just absolute stud of a human being, um, and a hockey coach. And one of the things that he did that I remember as, uh, as a junior player was in our first meeting before the season, we had everybody around a big conference table and, you know, they hand out the standards and the guidelines for your team and what you're going to live by and everything like that. And he had on there, it was the list of the amount of kids that committed from each team from the private prior year. And each of those teams, the ones that had the most committed were the teams that won. And he was like, okay, why do teams win? Cause you play a team game, everybody's bought in all this kind of stuff. Individual success comes from team success. So if you give a little bit of yourself to the team, it's going to make everybody better. And that's going to get you guys committed individually. And it was just such an awesome lesson for us. And we really took it to heart. That was the first year of Chicago. We uh, ever won the Eastern division. We probably would have won the Clark cup. Had we gotten through Joe Pavelski and, and, uh, and Waterloo and Mikey Raja, I'll give Mikey Raja a shout out right now too. Um, we took them to game five and they beat us one, nothing. And then they ended up winning the Clark cup. Um, but like, it just, it always stuck with me that way that he approached it was like, okay, this is how teams win when people are bought in and people sacrifice a little bit. And because the team is winning, you guys are going to be much more attractive individually. And you're going to get a lot more individual accolades because of the success of the team. And it was just an awesome way to go about it. So I always think about it as a coach and, and all the coaches probably thinking about it right now. Like how can you frame that kind of thing where it's individual success comes from the betterment of the team, you know, just, and, and the other thing too is like, well, first of all, I'll, I'll ask you like, what do you think about that? First of all, I agree. It's almost like if you give more, you will. Be more. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, you know, it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, 100%. I totally 100% agree. And all of those things that you said and everything about that guy, like, uh, or that kid, like, it all goes together. How you do anything is how you do everything. Everything goes together. Everything ties into each other. Nothing is a standalone. Oh, he's, he's really good at this, but he's a terrible human. Guess what? Line through your name. 
you know, he's a terrible, he's a great human, but he's terrible at hockey line through your name. Like you got to have multiple things going for you, constantly working on bettering yourself in all of these different areas and being a good person to keep moving up the ladder. Yeah. And, and I think also kids today get a little bit of a bad rap. Like I don't think kids are as entitled or as selfish as maybe some of the older generation think they are. And, and I say that because I work with them. And I think most kids are desperately seeking approval. I mean, you go to psychology class uh, or you're sitting on the couch with a therapist. It's one thing that they talk about all the time. Like, especially kids nowadays, they, cr- they crave approval. They crave approval from the coach. They p- crave approval from their peers. You just look at social media and what's that's done to the psyche of, of all the kids that are growing up today. You know, so if you can, you can tie some of that stuff into a team, like, Hey, let's get the approval of each other, you know, as a team, um, I, I do. I think kids mean well. I, I don't think they're as selfish as as people may lead on. Um, and I think you agree with me on that. Um, but I just it, we we need to do a better job of of a, as adults of you know sticking to that message. Well, and and to continue with that, you know, I posted something on Instagram like a week ago that I got tons of messages on. And you know me, I don't watch a ton of sports. This is from the uh, Frank Martin, SC's head basketball coach. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love this quote that I don't know how I saw it on Instagram. When kids, I it on is it the one that says kids haven't changed, but the, yeah, the adults says, have? Yeah. yeah. He said, you know what makes me sick to my stomach? When I hear grown people say that kids have changed. Kids haven't changed. Kids don't know anything about anything. We've changed as adults. We demand less of kids. We expect less of kids. We make their lives easier instead of preparing them for what life is truly about. We're the ones that have changed. And that's like, boom. So true. Kids don't, true though. kids don't know shit about shit. They don't know anything about anything. They know what you tell them. They, they react from how you constantly react. They learn from you. They see from you. They, they, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So if they're reacting that, oh man, I'm full of them. <laughs> Is, it, is that Bill Shakespeare over there? <laughs> is, that, Dad, is that Bill Shakespeare over there? Uh, don't say what that is. If anybody listens to this podcast, comment on Mia Tope's Twitter, tag us if you know what that's from, because it's a giddy. Anyways, um, back to my thought and dial it in. Boop. It makes so much sense. Like if the kids are reacting that or acting that way, it's because they're reacting off of what we're doing to them, teaching them, treating them. However, 100% makes sense. And I think that this is where it comes in, like cancel culture and being overly emotional, overly worrying about everyone's feelings, giving everyone trophies. And yes, I am a positive person. I believe in treating people correctly and all these things, but you got to let kids struggle. You can't tell everyone they're great when they're not. They're going to be good at something. You just got to find what it is, you know, and that takes, you know, learning and talking and all these things, but don't tell everyone they're good at everything. Don't let everyone, you know, like not be it's not okay to fail okay you need to fail failing is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me every time i fail it sucks i failed a lot but every time i fail i learn from it immediately and i get better and i learned that from hockey i learned that failing was a good thing because i had some good coaches that taught me that you know you messed up good good parents too good parents you messed up so are you going to do that again no don't do that again all right you did it that way it didn't work let's figure out another way jeff Oh yeah, that makes sense. All of a sudden I'm way better. So 
attacking problems from that mindset, as opposed to let's fix the world and make it lovely and green for everyone. It's not what it is. You know, you could still be a positive person, but you could still be a realist at the same time. And I think that, you know, that's where that whole thing is coming from. But like you said, can't be afraid. I think that the whole thing is you just can't be afraid to be honest to people. I think, I think everything you're talking about comes from honesty and the worst thing that you can do for what we're talking about is not be honest in your praise of somebody because, and earn your weekend. (laughs) Um, Because like, it's a false sense of security, right? Like if you're telling somebody that they're working hard when they're not, like they're thinking they're working hard and other people are going to be working harder than them and they're not going to get better. And you're not doing like you, you're not doing them a service by doing that. And so like, we just, yeah, we can't be afraid of, of having honest, hard conversations with people. Those are, those are great. Typically the honest conversations that I've had or have had with me from, from my coaches sometimes it's tough for a day. Sometimes it's tough for a week. Even, I mean, even my marriage and and with my parent, like just in life and relationships in general, like hard conversations are hard, but at the end of the day, if you learn something from it and, and you can come together, like that's, that's where the true growth comes from. I agree with you totally. I love that. I absolutely love that. Let's, uh, you want to move on? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead. You're All up. Right, I, I got one here from, uh, from Brian beauty. Love Brian coach, Brian, triple uh, a squirt mid major coaches inviting any player who applies for spring evals and the parents buying into it. What do you mean? What does that mean? Uh, I, I'm guessing. Or how do you take that? I'm uh, what, how I would take, that's all that was written. And I, and I laughed. I, I would guess that that means, you know, them trying to just make money off of a players, a two players, things like that. And I, I don't have a problem with, you know, people going out and seeing what that, level is like so then their kid learns a lesson you know maybe you know you're not you're not that good so how do we get good we practice you got to invest in yourself that's up to you if you want to be good you got to do these things but uh i'm guessing he's alluding to kind of maybe like the shadiness of people just trying to make money off kids who probably are not at that level yet is what i would guess yeah well hey if you want to make money just run clinics for other levels too (laughs) Yeah. I think so. Here's an interesting thing. So the way that I took that a little bit too, and maybe this isn't what he meant, but yeah, there certainly are people that are trying to make a buck or two in the spring and summer. And that's, that's difficult and that's tough. Um, I think if you're providing value and if you're actually giving a good service, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we actually got a lot of, every time we put one of these things out, we get so many messages about tryouts so many messages about the tryouts being in the spring and not at the end of the fall or the end of the summer or the beginning of the fall. And this is where I think USA hockey needs to move the tryouts because this whole recruiting thing, right? So if I'm, if I'm uh, an advisor, if, if people are asking me where my kid should play next year, I said, you, I would say you need to go to a team that you're interested in. You need to go talk to that coach. You need to go get on the ice with that coach to see how that coach runs a practice. I think those are the most important things in choosing a team because that's how your kid is going to develop and become a better hockey player. Right? So um, with that, USA hockey, and, and this isn't everywhere. I think it's a district by district thing or a state by state thing. They have the tryouts literally the week after nationals. So there's like in New York, there's a 
48-hour recruiting period <laughs> for, for, for forming teams for the next year, right? So I think what a lot of coaches are doing is they're holding these kind of like clinics um, for people to come and like actually come out on the ice, which to be honest, I think that's a good thing. People say, oh, that's recruiting. You know, that shouldn't happen. But at the end of the day, like if the rules are that stupid where the tryouts are you, you have 48 hours to form a team for next year when kids are going to look a lot differently five, six months from now than they are right now. And they're, they're already sick of hockey, you know, in, in April or May or whatever. Like, again, I think that sometimes USA hockey, it just, it's not common sense. It's just really not common sense. So I think some of these people, you can look at it as like, oh, they're recruiting and they're trying to get people there and and it's, it's all backwards and stuff. But at the end of the day, like if I'm choosing a team for my kid, I want my kid to go and skate with that person. I want to see how they run a practice. I want my kid to talk to that person. And if USA Hockey is only giving or New York State or whoever is only giving us 48 hours to do that, like, come on. So it's just one thing again with people, I had so many people message me about the tryout stuff, um, you know, and so I just wanted to say that. Yeah. And that, and that's, you know, a big one. And it's something that pisses me off too, especially being, you know, you and I were hard workers and because we were dedicated and we wanted this. So we got better every summer, every summer that you and I played hockey, we got better and better and better over the course. And of not the- even playing hockey, playing other sports too. Right. And, and I want to, and I want to go into that, like, because I think this kind of piggy tails off this one and then you take the next one, but did you say piggy tails, um, piggybacks, piggy tails? Sorry. <laughs> All that was great. Unbelievable knowledge nuggets that I was dropping earlier. Just got thrown out the window. With no, piggy- I don't. You, yes. you should have just went with that and been like, yeah, you've never heard piggy tails. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You went to Cornell. I can't get you up with that. Um, my mom just said, sit up so you don't fall asleep. I just got a text message about <laughs> my computer. Hi, Mom. She's clearly watching Facebook. Mom, I'm not I can see who's on. Yeah, I can actually see who's on. Yeah. Um, but I'm go- trying to find that picture. Um, Deck Show, who we should have on this. Uh, Mark Dekanich, pro boy. Played play the game. Oh, yeah. Games, yeah. Yeah. Um, he he kind of piggy tails, also known as piggybacks, off this. He said, my kid needs to play hockey all year round to be the best. And I think this kind of goes into what we're talking about right now because – it would make more sense to have that time to be around the coach as the player and as the parent, because the coach is going to, I mean, especially at the triple a level. And, and I don't know how many times a week, double a teams practice, I would guess twice a week and then maybe two games on the weekend. So at least four out of the seven days a week, sometimes six, seven days out of the week, uh, higher level coaches are with your kid all the time. You want to make sure that person's a good person. You want to make sure that person is helping them grow as a, as an individual and not just a hockey player. You want it to be both, not just one or the other. And that also goes into, you know, year round hockey, like you were just about to say there. And it made me think when you were talking about, you know, people had this question. I know a lot of people always bring this up. Elite ex players always say like, take time off the ice. Young parents of kids who haven't played the game. They say, yeah, but my kid wants to stay on the ice. So if he wants it, why is it wrong? Well, let me just throw a little analogy at you. Your kid probably wants ice cream all day, every day too. But do you allow him to have ice cream all day, every day? No. Boom. Lawyered. <laughs> I've never thought of that. It just came to my head right now. Like, okay. Like th- for that argument right there. Yeah. But he loves it. He wants to do it all the time. Right. 
All right, but he loves pixie sticks. You gonna let him murder those twelve hours a day, all day for the rest of his life? No, he's gonna wind up with diabetes. You're fire right him. <laughs> yeah, because that one triggers me. People keeping their kid on the ice all the time, being like, "Oh, my kid loves it, dude. It's not good. Skating's not a normal movement. Those are th- those mechanics are not made for our body." And parents of goalies, I've had two goalies that I've coached in the past year. Uh, be told they need hip surgery. They're both 16 and 18 years old, you know? And I asked them, how many goalie camps have you done? Do you do goalie camps all year round? Do you do them all summer? They're two kids who don't get off the ice all summer. And then you got the coaches. I'm going to get triggered right now. I'm getting heated. Then you got the coaches who are like, yeah, but to the good goalies, we need you for spring league. We need you. The goalie wants to take time off. We need you. And they give them a guilt trip because we need goalies for our spring league. So people sign up. Well, I'm sorry, man. Maybe no one should be playing spring week, or maybe they should only be playing once a week. Like, shouldn't be out there three times a week in the spring. You're going to ruin the kid's body. Amen. True that. And the other thing, too, like, at at those ages especially, like, they go play other sports, and then they get back out on the ice for two weeks before tryouts. They're fine. They're completely fine. (laughs) They're more athletic, um, and they'll get their skills back, like, him two weeks three days a week in for two weeks before tryouts and they're totally fine they're probably way better off than the kids that have been on the ice all summer because number one they're probably burnt out and your kid is jonesing to get on the ice and number two they're they're just more athletic and ready to go so yeah and and i want to i want to say something too because i don't know if it was adam nicholas a long time ago brought this up or somebody else you know, we always say that, get off the ice in the summer, get off the ice, play other sports, have fun. I don't think it's wrong to, to do one skill session a week, depending on how old you are, time of the summer, when tryouts are. There's a lot of other variables. I'm not saying never, ever, ever get on the ice. I'm not saying stay off the ice for five straight months. But like at the end of the season, bare minimum, you should be off the ice two weeks, I think, if you don't have tryouts lined up immediately. Right, Get off the ice, get away from the rink. There's something to be said. What's that... Uh, saying if, if, if it's meant to be if you set it free and it comes back to you whatever you know what i mean it, it, it comes back to you it's meant to be it's the same thing with hockey you get away from the rink for a little while even if you're like you and i who are obsessed with hockey we love playing it like you're super excited to go back when you haven't played in two weeks like you are jacked up to go or a month right and it doesn't mean you can't practice in your garage doesn't mean you can't stick hand with the boys doesn't mean you can't play street hockey get away from the rink get away from organized hockey and then go back and do your one skill session a week, maybe two. Don't be on the ice 17 hours straight a day, you know, that kind of thing. So I just kind of want to add to that because, you know, it's hard to talk without the disclaimers and we could put a disclaimer on everything and like the, the little things that go into it. But I just wanted to say that as well. I think it's great. I like it. Shall we move on to the next one? So this, uh, this one uh, was sent to us by somebody that we have a lot of respect for. Uh, she DM'd us this, so I won't say the name. I think if it was in the public comments, then maybe we would say the name, but it was a DM, so I'll leave the name out of it, but somebody we respect a lot. Uh, she goes, um, I just asked my son something who played junior and just finished U18 AAA last year. He said, and this is what the kids said. Coaches all know drills and practices, but they should take courses on child development or communicating with, with kids because the way a lot of them talk to us is wrong. He also said some years I was on a good line and other years I got sewered. Coaches should rotate kids around all year during regular season games and then put together a lineup the best way to win for tournaments and for playoffs. 
Um, let's start with the first one first. Uh, coaches all know drills and practices, but they should take courses on child development or communicating with kids because the way a lot of them talk to us is wrong. Uh, did you say that a kid said this to yep. his mom? Yep. Wow. Smart so kid. First, first of all, any coaches out there, you know, I've learned a lot by asking others what they think about me. Um, what did you think about that set? You know, for me, for my business, it's training. What did you think about that training? Did you understand what I was saying? Do you understand what I mean? Did you get that? Things like that. And I think youth hockey coaches probably need to do more of that. Um, and then have thick skin for whatever answers you get back uh, and learn from it. Don't take it as a dagger, like try and learn from it. Um, but I totally agree. And it reminds me of one of the most profound things that was said on this podcast was by Adam Nicholas on probably the first episode he was on ever. And he said, why don't more, why aren't more coaches taught how to teach? And that goes into how you speak to people, how you speak to these kids that you're coaching, because it doesn't, we've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter what I know as a coach. If I can't teach what I know, then what I know doesn't mean anything. Wayne Gretzky, best NHL player of all time. Probably no one will ever be better than him. He couldn't cut it as a coach in the NHL. Like, you know, the, the guys didn't like playing for him. He couldn't explain and teach what he saw and what he knew is, is what I would guess would happen, you know? So like right there, you're not Wayne Gretzky. You know, you didn't, none of us are Wayne Gretzky. There's only one Wayne Gretzky. You're definitely not him. I'm not him. Toast's not him. So you're not going to be as good as him at knowing the game. So if you can't teach it, like, you know, it's, you got to learn how to teach. And then on top of that, I think more people, especially at the AAA level, I'll say that again, especially at the AAA level, it's very high stakes. People spend a lot of money. So people get super energized and rambunctious and intense about it. And I think that's okay, but we always need to remember our why we're there for the kids we're there to help the kids grow as adults, help them pursue their goals, but more importantly, teach them how to pursue their goals in hockey, but also life lesson. This is how you do things because it's the right way. It'll be successful. You're being a good person. You're being a good citizen. You're being a good teammate, which will translate to being a good employee or employer, all of these things. And you can never lose sight of that. Below the junior level, it is about developing the person first. Even at the NHL level, man. It is, but I, I mean, it, there's professional things going on there. They need to do that, but you know, it's a, it's for money. All your amateur hockey is so professionalized, and we need to think way about it being developing the person and the child first, and less about winning and records and all of these things. So yes, uh, and and I'm going to go a step further for everybody that's listening here. So Jeff and I, you know, we get the opportunity and then the privilege to, because of what we've done in this game to have access to some pretty cool people. So Jeff and I get to talk to people at the top of the field in hockey, both on air. Like we've been able to bring some of these people on the podcast, but there's also a lot of conversations that I know that I've had with people in the NHL who can't come on podcasts because it's a public thing and they're not allowed to do media. Apparently we're media. <laughs> so um, some teams are better than others when it comes to that stuff. And I will tell you that a lot of people at the highest level of the sport that this podcast is about, obviously they put in a lot of time to studying the game of hockey, but there are so many people at the top of this profession that are so far into learning about so many other things outside of hockey. 
and the teaching part of it, how to teach, how to develop, how to communicate, how to mentor. Those are conversations that I'm having with this, these people that are at the, the, the very tip of the best of the best uh, of this sport in the world. That's what they're trying to learn right now, because that's what they think can give themselves a competitive advantage with all the video that's going on, especially what's happened in the pandemic. There's been more sharing. There's been a lot more study into the game of hockey. Like, I feel like a lot of people in the highest level of the games, they feel like everybody kind of knows everything. Analytics has become a big part of that. And I shouldn't say know everything, but I don't know how much of a competitive advantage people have hockey wise when we're talking about hockey stuff, but you certainly can get a competitive advantage at the highest levels from working on the things that we're talking about right now, communicating clearly, building culture, uh, how to develop, you know, the person outside of the player. Like those are things that the best skill coaches and the best um, coaches and the best people on development staffs, that's what they're reading. Um, like I have a, a very high level NHL executive that he, he sent me a book and I forget the name. I haven't gotten it yet, but it was all about like astrophysics and like he took some of the stuff from that into, I'll, I'm going to look it up as soon as I'm done talking right now. But it was like, that's what other people are going outside of hockey to learn and become better. And I just think that's the communication part for me, that's the biggest one. Communication is the lifeblood of any relationship. It's the lifeblood of every team. And if you can learn how to communicate better, you're putting yourself in a much better position as a coach and as a player um, to become better and ultimately do better for your team. Right there with you. Right there with you. And I feel like we've talked about recently how how, uh, you know, I think it's important for coaches in one sport to go learn from coaches in other sports, to go shadow coaches in other sports. I think that that's probably one of the best things you could do because hockey has its own culture. Hockey has its own, you know, is euphemism the word I'm thinking? Like we have our own like things we do all the time. We have our own language. Like we have all these ways and, and they get repeated a lot. You know, like we tell you play fast and like things like that. You know, everybody gets caught up in saying the same things over and over. But if you go to a different sport, they have a million of those that are specific to that sport. Well, maybe you can pick up on some of those and bring them over to hockey. And now your team is better. You're a better coach. Your players are better because you brought over something that, you know, again, we talk about all the time, how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, it doesn't matter what sport they're playing. If they're doing something that makes sense, from a physical, mental, preparation, visualization, you know, folk, whatever, focus standpoint, you could bring that right over to hockey and work on that. You know, you could do it from a teaching standpoint. How do these people talk to little elementary school teachers? Probably a good idea to talk to some elementary school teachers to figure out how they teach the I've basic learned, fundamentals. I've learned a ton of stuff from my sister, who's an elementary special ed teacher, a ton from her and, and yeah. hearing her talk about stuff that she does in the classroom. No question about it. Right. Like, I mean, it, it's, thinking outside the box but like it's like well why don't we just do this we talk about learning all the time so yeah i love that yeah i mean like it, it is it's such an important thing and and uh again it comes back to competitive advantage like if you if you can better your communication channels as a coach to your players and you can better the communication channels between players on your team and when it comes to building those bonds because that's how you win the closest team 
uh, the talented team is going to win a lot of the time, but if talent is all equal, the closer team is, is going to win. And like you said, as you get higher, the talent is almost the same. It's very similar at every level, you know, junior, the higher you go, the more the talent is equal for sure. Right. That's the mathematical equation I was looking for. You are correct. (laughs) Uh, communication is the best. All right. You're up, dude. What do you got? Um, I wanted to ask you about construction cones. I got an anonymous tip that was not anonymous uh, that you have (laughs) something in your past with construction cones. What what do we mean here, Toph? I I don't know, so I'm interested. And and this is the one that's supposed to trigger us, right? Like this is <laughs> yeah. the trigger episode that triggers us. Yeah, I guess. So. Oh my God. That is so funny. So I know, and I'm going to say, I know with pretty much a hundred percent certainty that that was my wife that sent that to you. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> and so I have, I have such an issue and I love construction workers. They're the best. I've coached a lot of kids whose parents have been construction workers and they are the most honest, hardworking people in the world. But one of my biggest pet peeves is like driving down a road during a day and there's all these construction cones and there's all this traffic because lanes are closed and stuff and there's nobody working. (laughs) There's nobody working over there. I'm like, come on. (laughs) So they were cones. They were cones. So, so, God, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. So on my 21st birthday, when I had my first uh, adult beverage, obviously. Um, so I was, you know, we, it, I was in Chicago. So I had a ton of my friends, we were all at my house. And then we like went to a bar for my first official hand, my ID, I'm 21, whatever. And so I, I had, I had had a few adult beverages before, you know, going to the bar at our house, we were having a pretty good time. And, and so we're, we're sitting there. The best part about it is like, you know, my parents are always like the life of the party, right? So my mom was actually driving me and a ton of my friends to the bar. And so we, we're driving by again, like, and again, this is like 10 o'clock at night. So why would anybody be working at that point? But I was a little bit overserved. So we get to a red light and we're right next to this big construction site. All these, those big construction cones or whatever are out there. And we get to a red light and we stop and I'm like, I've had it. I'm done. I get out of the car. I I start moving the cones. I'm like, nobody's working. (laughs) Like this is, this is BS or whatever. And then light turns green. I get back in the car and and we go to the bar and and had a fun night. But um, you're a cone racist is what you are. You're you're a conist. (laughs) I'm a conist. Sure. Whatever you want to say. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a funny thing that people like to bring up. And uh, that was a fun night. 21st birthday. So love to hear it. I love you. Don't, I don't see you bundled off. And so, uh, I respect it and I love it when you I feel are. like you and I are kind of similar in that. Like, did you get it when you were in college or even a pro or guys are like, man, like you're so much more fun when you've had a few drinks in you. Like stop being serious all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't so much that cause I'm never, well, I'm always serious by not being serious, but yeah. For me, it was just like, if I was like, all right, boys, I'm going to tie one on or I'm going to go out tonight. It was like, people once. get so jacked, right? They're so, oh, bad. I was staying in tonight. I'm not anymore. I'm going out. Let's go. And all the boys would go out. There'd always be a party. If I was like, I'm giving her tonight, boys, they'd always be like, oh, X is going. I got to go. I can't not go if X is going. It's the green light for everybody to get her going. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I was the same way. So funny. Anyways, I digress. Thank you, Emma Scott, for that uh, 
that cone story. The end of the day, they were cones. They were cones. They were cones. Also, what movie is that from? Everybody who's listening. Yeah. I actually. I can't answer. I know. I was in Albany this weekend. Our our team had a couple games, and that movie was on in the hotel when we got home last night, and I watched it. Phenomenal. Unbelievable movie. One of my favorites Um, of all time. Yes. Uh, Okay. You ready for the next one? Hi. All right. Let's see here. Here here we go. This is from Alan. This is uh, from Twitter. He says, talk about the revolving door of players jumping from one team to the next. Never seem to be happy and always thinking the grass is greener on the other side. Does it give um, an age? No, no, but I'm assuming he's talking about youth hockey here. So this is something that I, I might have. T- Actually, hold on one second. Before I do that, I, uh, I found the book and it is called Think Like a Rocket Scientist. That was the book that I was given from a high-level NHL executive. So oh, that's what okay. some of those people are, are reading. Wow. Anyways, go ahead. I'm not going to read it, but I am going to ask <laughs> you how it went to make me smarter. Sweet. Um, uh, so this is something I was thinking about the other day, and I was talking to – oh, I was talking to Sean Muncy, one of our good mutual friends. We've both been teammates with him in the past, you and Pro, me and uh, Amateur. Um, a lot of like the parents want to, their kid to stay with the same coach all the way up. But like, we always talk about, you know, exposing yourself to new coaching, to new circumstances, new ways of doing things. If you do the same thing all the way up, you're going to get super comfortable with doing that same thing. And then when it's time to like, you know, make it to the next level, whether that's midgets or juniors, if you go somewhere else, now you got to do it a completely different way. You might be pretty shocked. I think it actually makes way more sense to not play for a coach for over two years. I think in two seasons, you probably should learn everything that coach can teach you unless they're like six, seven. Like, I guess I'm talking about like from like 12 up after that. And I'm sure they're not talking about people switching teams at seven. I hope not. My God, um, grow up. But I think that maybe, I don't know. What do you think about two years, like two years? And then that coach, has to cycle back and start at a younger age or, or whatever. And then they go up with that team for two years. And then a team comes and takes them or a coach comes and takes them over for two years, new coach, two years. I think that makes way more sense. Like, why isn't that a thing? No, that's Which a good then point. Would make this jumping teams thing. Like who cares? Like if you're doing it, I think if you're doing it for the right reason, like you always talk about, go play for the best coach you possibly can. Don't follow the crowd, get the best coaching, which will turn you into the best player. Um, you know, I think that that just makes sense. Yeah, no, I, that that's a very good point. I'm I'm a big believer in that, and we were going to do that with our organization this year, but with COVID, we couldn't like swap coaches out and all that kind of stuff. We had everybody at the same, I don't want to call it pod or whatever. But yeah, I think it's it's good for kids to hear from different people, and and hockey. Like I feel like we talk about youth hockey, especially in absolutes all the time there there are no real absolutes (laughs) and so i think number one just play for the best coach um if you have the opportunity to play for a couple of best coaches that's great if you have someone like keith kachuk or jeff brown all those kids that came up playing four or five years for brownie and kachuk i mean that's that's a really good thing too um but i i think that the point you made has a ton of merit I, i think it's great like i want my kids that that i coach to hear from different people um, as well. I, I think all, all coaches should. Um, I think what 
Alan is talking about on this tweet though, is the grass is greener on the other side thing. And, and again, I think it, it, it stems from hockey being such a, you know, it's, it's moved away from a development model and it's more uh, a recruiting model and that's getting younger and younger by the day. And, and so that's where, when we talked about it before, I think people need to understand, like you can't chase, like you need to have exposure if you want to get to the next level. That should start in midgets. That shouldn't start in squirts or peewees or even bantams, I think. Um, so people are chasing these things that I don't think they necessarily need to chase. Like at the end of the day, like there's a difference between good marketers and good coaches. So do your due diligence and do your research to understand who the good marketers are, the people who have the good Instagram accounts and who've built companies based on fluff and things like that versus the people who actually know what they're talking about and, and have a history of developing people or who have a passion for what they do. And so I think that's where I think a lot of, it goes back to the FOMO. I think a lot of parents are, are very eager and very nervous about their son or daughter's hockey careers that they feel like they need to jump. They need the next best, best thing when sometimes the next best thing is just what's right in front of you, you know? And, and so I dealt with it a lot this year, a ton as a hockey director. And, and I have a feeling that I, if you're in youth hockey and if I continue to be in youth hockey, like I will deal with that until I'm out of youth hockey. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I feel like do your due diligence. Don't always follow the crowd, the crowd. Like I didn't follow, we're all a product of our experiences. I didn't follow the crowd in my upbringing, in, in my experience as a youth hockey player. Like my parents kept me with the non-sexy program because they knew that I was going to develop as a player and a person. And a lot of the people who went away from that like I got a lot better. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I form a lot of my opinions based upon my experience, but also seeing what I've seen at the, as a youth hockey director and coach and stuff, um, just don't always chase the shiny new thing because the shiny new thing isn't always what's best for your kid. As hard as that may be at times. And as much as other people are going to the shiny new thing, um, sometimes it's not the best thing to do. And, and I'll add on to that too doesn't matter who you play for. doesn't matter where you play. Those things matter, right? But in the end, it's your journey. Take ownership of it. Cam Jansen, episode seven. Talk about this one all the time. Don't point fingers, point thumbs. He said, everything that happened to me in my career good was because of me. Everything that happened bad in my career was because of me. I look in the mirror and I take responsibility. And I think more parents, I hear so many parents, and I'm not home, I'm not in the don't know what they're saying to their kids. I know what some of them are saying to their kids, actually. But for the most part, I don't know what they're saying to their kids. But I feel like too many parents are telling their kids, ah, oh, the coach isn't playing them. Or they talk to their significant other or other parents in, on the team in front of their kids and allow their kids to hear, you know, oh, so-and-so is on the – why is he on the power play? Well, if you're the parent, and like that quote I talked about earlier in the episode, if you think about that, your kid is forming his opinions based off of what he's hearing from mom and dad. So if you're always bitching about the coach, if you're saying little Tony shouldn't be in the power and play, they're going to think that too. Then you're not teaching the, that kid to look in the mirror and be like, this is something I want. I need to get my ass out in the driveway and stick handle more. I need to watch more videos on YouTube. If this is something I want, I need to do this, Johnny. It's if you want to be good, Johnny, it's on you. It's not up to anyone else. 
It's not up to the coach. You want the coach to play you more? I'm not going to talk to him. You talk to him, and you work harder. You work smarter. You find a way to get better so that he, need, he needs to play you more to make the team more successful. He wants to play you more. Like, that message needs to be out there way more than, you know, the, the, the throwing stones and daggers at everyone else because that will literally get you nowhere, and at some point it will all come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah, and I'm glad that little Johnny got a little of a reprieve, and we got a little Tony now. So little yeah. Johnny's off the uh, off the Schneid. <laughs> yeah, little Johnny gets used and abused a lot on this show. I think oh. you're so right. I, I think that's like the biggest thing, man. Like ownership is everything. It's literally everything, and it's funny. Like you set goals with kids, and you give them stuff to do, and, and that's why I think it's so cool for kids who do take ownership and want to put in the work. Like there aren't that many people out there that really want to put in that work. There just isn't. Jeff trains a lot of kids. I've coached a lot of kids. There are very, very few that are really willing to put in the amount of work that Jeff is talking about and, and take ownership and not point fingers and, and point thumbs back at yourself. There's very few players out there. There's very few coaches out there that are like that as well. And that's why I think it, it, for anybody that wants to do that, that's any kid that's listening right now, like if you really are going to commit yourself and take ownership of your development and your path, like you are so many steps ahead of every other kid that you're competing against that have the same dream as you, because dreams at the end of the day are very easy. Putting in the work necessary to achieve that dream. Very, very, very minuscule few people do that. And so listen to this right now. I've seen it. I've lived it. And Jeff's seen it. Jeff's lived it. If you are one of those kids that is really willing to do it, you are so far ahead of everybody else. So far ahead of everybody else. And that should even motivate you more to achieve your dreams. And I can't wait to see you do it. I'm about to throw this computer and go rip something. <laughs> You're getting me pumped up. But I, and I want to give you guys examples. We always give examples because we know what we were able to do Toph being an undersized player in a time when hockey was all about size and me having uh, uh, feet for hands and no eyes on the ice you know <laughs> we were able to do some pretty cool stuff but but um, going back on that like so many parents sometimes like are, are, are worried about their kid like going all in but like going all in whether you make it or not is gonna make you better in life it's gonna teach you so many lessons there's nothing be better for the soul there is nothing better for the soul than putting your heart and soul okay that was bad use of a lot of souls <laughs> but there's nothing better now. for like your well-being i think than really truly committing and loving something enough to give it everything whether that's a relationship like a marriage whether that's you know a dream that you have in a sport or a science or whatever um, I just feel like, God, how healthy is that as human beings to really love something enough to throw yourself and understand? I think a big part of that is understanding that there's going to be failure with it and that it's not going to be easy and that there are going to be rough times. But when you have that love for it, it helps you get out of it. Right. So I, I totally agree with you, man. Like it's not easy to put yourself out there because you're going to get judged. You're going to have people that are going to make fun of you. There's going to be people that are going to try and bring you down because they want to be the hardest worker. And if somebody's outworking them, they're going to try and bring you down to their level rather than raise their level to where you are. And uh, it, like having that understanding, but not really caring 
and and knowing that you have a singular focus of what you want to be and and what you want to become god that's so good gets so just so healthy and it's so important to teach that to nourish it to encourage it um, for young players, everyone, everyone, you got to have a purpose. And if you can establish your why, have it written in my gym, what is your why? Don't tell me it's to be the best possible player ever. And then you don't do shit to do it. Like get out of my gym. I don't want to work with you. Um, but like quickly concrete examples. I'm going to use people that, that one Trent Frederick has been on our podcast. If you haven't heard our episode with Trent Frederick, who's currently, uh, Mr. Boston, <laughs> the yeah. whole city loves oh my him. God. Talked to one of my ex, uh, 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 Providence Bruins teammates, two days ago. And he was like, the whole city loves him. He could be the mayor. Like that guy didn't miss one workout during COVID between the NHL bubble of playoffs when he had to go to the bubble. And then before the season that started now (laughs) that's currently going on, didn't miss one workout to drop his body fat. The last 45 days, sent me a picture of every single meal. He ate every single meal. He ate for 45 days. He sent me a picture of to, to go over it. Is this okay? Could I be doing something better? Could I be doing something like that is dedication. He didn't know if it was going to pay off. He was hoping that would wind up with him being, you know, in the NHL the entire season and didn't know though, but he put himself out there. He, he, he laid his nuts on the line. He's been in the NHL the whole year. And now the whole entire city of Boston loves him. You know, another one, Chris Weidman, who, you know, right? Chris Coached Weidman, yeah. Chris Weidman for anybody who, who is like, why do I know that name? He's the guy who was playing for the Ottawa senators. He won AHL defenseman of the year. And then he played in NHL the whole next year, I believe, for Ottawa. And the year after that, he was in the Uber, caught talking about his coaches with his teammates. Right, wrong, whatever. Tape should have been released. It's players talking about their coach within themselves. It happens all the time. I think, it, you know, who cares? But it did look bad in the organization. Whatever. Who cares? It, it's something that happened. It happens all the time. He's a great person, you know bounced around a little bit this year he decided to play his first year um in europe never been over to europe decided to play in the khl goes over there no idea the guy was an absolute animal the entire summer skating working out nutrition got a whoop so he could take care of all this we'd go over all of his analytics if he decided to have a drink once every couple weeks he'd text me that night and be like hey i had drinks tonight can you can you put me on the bike tomorrow let me let me sweat this out on his on his day off did everything he could Guess what? Chris Weidman just got home. He won defenseman scoring in the KHL, the second best league in the world. Going to have an opportunity. Hopefully somebody gives him a shot to get back in the NHL. He's an unbelievable human being, an unbelievable hockey player, an unbelievable person, you know, and through his work ethic, his dedication, going all in, wound up having an okay season in the American League last year to literally leading the KHL in scoring. One of the most, probably the most offensive league in the world. Unbelievable. You can do things that, other people think are impossible. You just, you got to go all in. Yeah. And you got to put in the work. And, and and I think, you know, we're talking about this and I'm getting a little kind of jacked and motivated. We're not triggered right now. We're getting motivated. Um, But I think the other thing that, that the kids listening that have these hopes and dreams or anybody that has hopes and dreams is that like, it's so mundane and it's so just not, 
that we, we talk about. It's not sexy. Like you have to do things to the best of your ability on a daily consistent basis. And you have to do things that other people aren't willing to do. You got to sacrifice things that other people aren't willing to sacrifice. And, and I've seen it plenty of times. I've seen it plenty of times with players that I've played with, with players that I've coached. Um, it's just, it's not an easy thing and it's just an everyday choice thing. I'm going to choose to bring this to the gym or to the rink or to my job every single day. Like it's predictable. I always say the best players that I've ever played with, and it goes back to even the first thing that we talked about of, of preparation, the best players that I've ever played with are predictable. You knew what they were doing and they never took a day off. That was the, that for me, that was the biggest separating factor of the, the, the great players that I played with and the good to almost their <laughs> players that I played with is that they, they just honestly, they never took a day off. Or the guys who who over uh, overshoot their limitations. The guys who that's what I mean past. by that. The players who got closest yeah. to their potential, and right. and we're not even talking about maybe the guys that played in the NHL or played at the highest levels of college hockey. I'm talking about the players who left it out there, just like you were talking about. They left no stone unturned. They got as close as they could to their God given human potential. To me, that's what success is. It ain't it ain't the accolades and all that other stuff. It's how close did you come to your your potential. Exactly. 100%. I love that. Okay. What do you think? One more? One more. You want to end it up? Uh, finish it here? You got it. A good one? You got it. Oh, let me turn. I just, I just had this one. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. All right. <laughs> to finish it up, we're going to choose. Let me see here. What's behind door number three, oh, Jeffrey? Dude, I, I was saving this one for the end because this one literally grinds my gears to no end. Yes. Uh, it's fr- from my buddy, Stephen Bolt. Anonymous discussion boards ripping on youth hockey players. I don't know if you guys have those where you're from, but we have them here. And I literally want to throw punch every single person on those things. Do you know what those are or no? Do you have those? I've heard of them. I've, I don't know what they are. No, I've heard that that's a thing though. Is it bad? Man. Have you been on them? Uh, I, I look so at like them. people like go on these boards and rip kids rip kids and what? apparently yeah and like apparently that like in our in our city like there's ones for high school one for AAA. the high school one here is like a big hot button and there's people who like know who the author is some you know they're like oh that author is you know so and so and it's an adult and i remember hearing about it and it's just like some adults just go on there and just rip coaches rip teams rip organizations like and, and do it anonymously like like what is wrong with you? Grow up. You grow you're up. Cowards. You're like if you, that's all it is. What, what is that thing? If you would, if you wouldn't say it to somebody's face, don't say it. Like be a grown up, be a man, be a be a woman. Like don't do that shit. Especially to get if you talk smack about a kid or to a kid, you're wrong. I, I was actually telling the story to the, the, the rip rockets that I train, some of the moms that I train uh, uh, of my clients. So I was like, come, I got the silver foxes. That's Trent Frederick's dad and uncles. And then I got the rip rockets. Some of the moms I train, I, I named them both. Thank you. What's up? Cool names. Uh, merch coming soon. And uh, I was telling the story, my first year coaching. So I was just one, one, first year being retired from playing. We're in the state championship. Goes into third period. We're, we're up. We're, we're the better team by far. We are supposed to win the game. We get out there for the third period, and the kids are skating around, like just doing a couple warm-up laps. Kid comes up to me on the bench, and he's like, "Hey, Vex, there's 
just some grown man in the corner flipping me off every time I skate by and saying the F word to me. And I'm like, what? I'm like, go skate, skate around. Let me watch. Sure enough, he skates by. This guy's banging on the glass in the corner, and he's giving my 17-year-old my player the finger. And I yelled down there, hey, what are you doing? Like, the whole rake hears me. And he, like, looks at me and, like, starts to, like, make, like, these, like, gestures and, like, and I was like, is that me? <laughs> and I just, like, I don't snap off. And when I do, I really snap. And, and I was like, is that me? I'm like, don't you ever talk to a child that way, ever. And I'm yelling this the whole rake here. You know, I don't like doing this type of stuff. But, like, when it's, like, coming out with a kid, like, that stuff's unacceptable to me. And then he gives me the finger. And, dude, I peeled my coat off. Like, literally, it was like uh, Bruce Almighty where his jacket comes off. And he's like, <laughs> my jacket came off so fast. I started to exit the bench. Luckily, my uh, our assistant coach, Chris Durso, unbelievable guy, like as my jacket was coming off, it was like around my wrist behind my back. He like grabbed the jacket, so it like handcuffed me. He's like, Max, 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 calm down. And I was like, oh, Durso, thank you for grabbing me. And I came back and I was like, get the F out of the rink. Like, get out of here. And after he tried to like say something to me and like give a reason why he was flipping off a minor, I was like, dude, you are so, he's a grown What man. was his reason? I don't want to say names. He's like this one kid who's uh, he's a kid of an important ex hockey player in town. And he was thought he was flipping off that kid. He was flipping off another kid. And, and I was like, dude, stop talking. I don't care who you're flipping off. He's a child. I don't care what he's done. No, he, he didn't run your kid from behind. He didn't intentionally hurt it. Nothing has happened in this game. So like for you to flip off a child, like you need to think about what you're doing. Cause it's embarrassing. You're an embarrassment. And he kept giving an excuse. I'm like, there is no excuse. There's no, ex he's like, hey, this kid just thinks he could do whatever he wants. And I'm like, he's a child. Like, Stop talking. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. But like the message board thing is the same thing. Like, dude, what are you doing? You're an adult talking to kids. You know, better. You should know better. And if you don't come out to men's league, we'll teach you some manners. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what to do. With I mean, like that. I really don't. Adults talking about stuff like that, about kids, that's one thing. And that's obviously a travesty and just absolutely terrible. But for me, it's the anonymous thing. Yeah. It's You're worse. a coward. You're an absolute coward. Coward. That's coward. all it is. And coward. you are a loser. You're a coward. And if you're going to say something derogatory to somebody else, say it to their face. You're it's a coward. Like like that guy on Instagram like two months ago or I don't even know how long ago was chirping me and uh I, I just snapped that that made me snap because I had to nothing nothing yeah like honestly like same thing again, this is a triggered episode like I I it and we talk about this maybe we've talked about it on the podcast but we certainly talk about it off the podcast like <laughs> both of us are very double-edged sword about the fact that we've built our business on social media yeah. Like I hate going on social media. I cannot stand going on social media. Like I, I don't like it. I don't like going on Facebook and hearing people, you know, talk about whatever they're talking about. Um, I don't like going on Twitter and, and hearing or not hearing, but reading all the negativity that's, that's out there. Like, I don't like going on Instagram and seeing the most fake things I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, Preach. For, for men and women growing up, like, you know, the, the, I mean, it's just, it's such a false perception of what like happiness is 
that like I worry for my daughters. I worry for all kids. Um, I worry for adults too, you know, like there's just such a false sense of like what matters. And the biggest thing for me is the anonymous stuff, like seeing anonymous chirps of whoever, because like that, like the best thing in my opinion that any of these social media companies can do is to like, you have to give your social security number and you have to have your name attached to your account. So anything that you say can be given to your employer, can be given to your, if you're a kid, your parents, like it's, it's all out there. Right. So if you want to act like that, like it can't be anonymous. And that way I think would solve a lot of problems because there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that, and again, there's, there's issues with giving your social security number to these social media companies. They probably freaking have them anyway. (laughs) You know, they have every, they like, they have looking at me in my underwear right now. (laughs) Yeah. I know you're social. Come on. But I think that would solve a lot of issues because again, it's like, and, and you think about like, you know, these kids that post this stuff and then they get these comments on their feeds from people they don't know that are just trolls out there that make them feel like crap. And you see kids committing suicide. You see kids in deep anxiety and, and depression, not even just kids. I mean, you you were talking about all people here. And, and so for me, the biggest problem is the anonymous ones, the people who feel like they have a right to say to something to people with no repercussions of anything coming back their way. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And these message boards, if you're a parent that goes on these message boards, you're a joke. You're a joke. You're a joke. Bottom line. Absolute joke. Figure it out. I was going to add something, and I don't even want to add anything else. I want to put a period on that right there. You're a joke. Look in the mirror. Point finger. Point thumbs, not fingers. Grow up. You're a joke. If you're going to say something, own it. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. You know? So, hey, I mean, that's – I think it's probably a good way to end the episode here. It is. Kind With of a negative tone. They kind of a negative tone. I don't like the negative tone type stuff, but I do. Like, I, I honestly, I worry about that stuff, and and uh, I, I don't know what it's going to look like in – 10 years of my so, daughter's a teenager. I worry. So about here's, that. here's a challenge to myself, to you, which is what we're trying to do to others, to anyone listening to this. A, when you feel the need, and I'm not talking about discourse. I'm not talking about challenging things in a healthy way. That is necessary. That's growth. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being a donkey. You want to write something negative on somebody else's wall, somebody else's board, whatever the message board, whatever it is, take a deep breath, take 10 deep breaths and ask if you're doing any good for the world by putting that out there, right? Odds are you're not, so don't. And then the other half of that challenge is daily. Try and put something out there that's going to help someone. I don't care what it is. You're a good artist. You put a piece of your art up on social media. You make people happy by showing your cool art off. You're a motivator. You motivate. You're a trainer. You show an exercise that could help somebody. You don't bring down other people and just shit on them, especially on there where they're going to see it and say, what an idiot. And what, like, not talking about learning examples and healthy discourse and things like that, but like, put out some good stuff in the world this next week. That would be my challenge to everyone listening. Love that. Send some more positivity in the world. We can use it. 
Uh, it's going to make some of your days better. And uh, yeah, for sure. So great way to end the episode. Hopefully you guys like this one. Uh, Jeff and I uh, just wanted to come on here and my pit stains liked it. I was getting heated there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pitting, baby. It doesn't take much for you to start sweating, though. <laughs> doesn't take That's much. True. But hey, thanks, everybody. Uh, I will get this. We had a lot of people come on Facebook and, and, uh, and like comment and, and just kind of hang out with us for an hour and a half here tonight. So maybe we should do this for like all of our intros or something like that. That'd be kind of fun. I don't know. I enjoy it. I would love to like make, if there's a way to like make it interactive too, for some of these, you know, maybe once a month we get on and uh, we put it on the Facebook or on the line somehow. <laughs> and uh, as we're talking real time, maybe people can throw out questions while we're yeah. talking about what we're talking about. That'd be pretty cool. We love, yeah. we love that we love connecting with you guys big time. So we appreciate your support for what we do. Hopefully people could take something out of this podcast. Talked about a lot of life stuff here today. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think really matters. And so I hope everybody has a great week and spring is in the air. It's getting there. We're so close. And so we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening in and joining us on this podcast journey. And